2: especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. Sometimes, a moment occurs in history that requires a perfect public relations response. Someone, an authority figure preferably, must reassure the public in a trying situation that everything's gonna be okay. In 1940, as the Nazis began the Battle of Britain, bombed London indiscriminately, and things looked their bleakest, Winston Churchill gave his famous We Shall Fight on the Beaches speech that declared that the British people would never surrender to the Nazis. That speech set the tone for the British people's resilience in the face of overwhelming adversity and catapulted Churchill to all-time great leader status in 2001 as the rubble of the world trade center smoldered nearby rudy giuliani had his churchill moment in that greatest moment of doubt and fear in modern american life he stood amongst the fallout and reassured americans that it was going to be okay that we were going to rebuild bigger and better than ever before had he disappeared from the public scene then he would undoubtedly have gone down as a legendary leader his statue strung across multiple town squares but he didn't he didn't disappear and today his public image has dwindled down from those heights and into the proverbial toilet. Viewed at worst by many with utter contempt and at best with a mild revulsion bordering on sympathy, Rudy Giuliani went from being America's mayor to the public equivalent of the peep show mopper. How did this happen? How did he go from giving rousing speeches with the dust of the Twin Towers on his shoulders to some crazed freak rambling on air while his hair seemed to melt? Grab your Yankees hat, Take a big swig of booze and tell yourself to never forget as we discuss just what happened to old Rudy on this latest episode of Asshole Asshole Court. Court. Before we get into preliminary scores, we want to give a shout out to Heather Hardig, who jumped on our Facebook page and recommended this a while back. I had a girl, Heather. Yeah, we Woo-hoo. really appreciate it. It's a good one. It's been yeah. one that uh, we've sort of like uh, juggled around a little bit, and then, I don't know, it seemed like a good time. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Mikey's been chomping at the bit to do this one. so and
2: Yeah. So, yeah. Could have picked a more opportune time, maybe. Maybe <laughs> like sometime around, I don't know year and a half ago. <laughs> but I didn't. So, but anyways, thanks hey, so much, There's still Heather. time. There's still time, you yes. know, so. Oh, yeah. This guy's not done. <laughs> but thanks, Heather. We, we appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. So, with that in mind, let's go ahead and get preliminary scores on our boy, Rudy Giuliani. Randy,
0: what you got? All right. So, I remember the old Giuliani. Back to what Mikey was saying. He was kind of the king of New York. Kind of the darling of New York. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, he... I remember he was the prosecutor, if I'm not mistaken, when New York decided to take down some of the mob bosses.
2: That's correct. We're going to get into that, for sure. Okay. All
0: right. So, I remember that's kind of how he made his name and then ran for governor a couple or not governor. I'm sorry, mayor Mayor. a couple times. One, the second, and I don't know if he got reelected. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But I just remember he was kind of the darling, right? And then I don't remember much until you see him reappear probably five years ago, six years ago. Um, Odd. Very odd. Mm -hmm. It feels as though it is what it is. He's getting a little more senior.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. And
0: he is just getting a little more crazy, man. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. The older you get, obviously, the less fucks you give about anything. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's about not giving a fuck or not knowing enough to give a fuck about what. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Or not knowing when to say when. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in terms of asshole score, you know, let's talk, you know, I don't think there's any bodies on him. You know, I compare him a lot to Mike Tyson, I think. Yeah, that makes Giuliani sense. Giuliani and Mike Tyson have a lot in common. <laughs>
2: They're both from New York.
0: I think right around pre-show, I think I got him the same, same level as Mike Tyson. A 5.91. 5.91 mm-hmm. is my pre-show score okay. for Giuliani. I'm Buddy, just, what do you got? Just like
2: Tyson.
1: Yeah. All right. So, for me, um, you know... My brothers lived in New York a, a good chunk of his life, and yeah. he was living there when Rudy was mayor, and I remember going up and visiting and yep. you know, being up in there in that area, and um, I remember when 9-11 hit, and I mean, it rocked everybody, but For I mean, sure. it was, uh, I had family that lived up there, so I mean, it hit a little bit harder. And so, yeah, I remember Rudy's speech and, you know, like really feeling like, yeah, like we are going to like rise above from this. And I mean, I I loved the America that we were back at that speech at that time, you know, like how united we we all were. But, you know, since then, you know, he kind of fell off, you know, he fell off the radar for a long time. And, you know, I don't really follow politics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it just, you know, I only have maybe two memories of them over the past, like maybe like five to 10 years and they're not good. Yeah, it, you know, it's yeah. the the Borat movie that I think he popped up in right. or at least oh, the yeah. controversy on that that yep. I'm sure we're going to get into at Absolutely. some point. Absolutely. And then the hair melting episode, yeah, you know, it's just just not good looks. And so, yeah, no, I'm interested to see what uh, we uncover here in the courtroom today. But I really don't know a lot about him pre-show. So I'm going to I'm going to start him off, you know, a little bit lower than Randy. He kind of looks like Ty Cobb, but I can't give him a 4.83. He does look a little
2: bit like Ty Cobb.
1: Um, But I'm going to have to jump him up to at least Papa John status, and I'm going to give him a 5.75 pre-show, Okay, and we'll see where he lands by the end of it. All right,
0: 5.75 from Buddy Mikey. What do you got?
2: Okay, I pay a good bit of attention to politics and to world events and stuff like that. I remember <clears throat> a lot. Of, I've, I've followed this guy's career since I was probably teenager to some extent i mean he was he was a national figure even when he was mayor which is just sort of comes with the territory you're the mayor of the biggest city the most prestigious city whatever in in the in the country um so you know i don't know i mean especially over the past decade it's really it's really gotten ugly (laughs) it's gotten (laughs) bad but there's so much we're going to dive into here a lot of this i already knew uh some of it i didn't uh but i'm gonna keep it short and sweet here because you know we got a lot to get into here And I will put him at a 6.0 to start.
1: All right. With a 5.91 from Randy, a 5.75 from Buddy, and a 6.0 from Mikey, Rudy Giuliani's pre-show asshole score is a 5.88.
0: 5.88. Rudy Giuliani joins exclusive company. Elizabeth Holmes at 5.83, as well as Jose Canseco at 5.83, and just below my boy Mike Tyson at 5.91. There you go. There you go. (laughs) So pretty exclusive company there.
2: Just like Jose Canseco in every way. That's right.
0: (laughs) Let's find out. They're both Italian,
2: right? Wait, what is Canseco Cuban? Cuban, Cuban. Yeah, way off. (laughs) I just figure, you know, if your last name ends with a vowel. All right, you guys ready to never forget? (laughs) Always. Let's do it. All right. Rudolph William Luis Giuliani is born on May 28, 1944 to Helen and Harold Angelo Giuliani in the then Italian-American enclave of East Flatbush, Brooklyn, New York. East Flatbush is no longer Italian. It hasn't been for a very long time. It's uh, become gentrified lately. For a while there, it was... A scary place. Scary place. Some uh, decent hip hop came out of there the last decade, the Flatbush Zombies. Oh, Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, I mean, hasn't pretty much all of New
1: York been gentrified at this place or or at this point, like the five boroughs for that
2: most? The Bronx haven't. And also Staten Island is still not great, I think. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that. According to those familiar with the family, the place and the time, Giuliani was born into a world in which crime and law enforcement were basically two sides of the same coin. Basically, this is a common story amongst immigrant communities where second-generation members often find themselves caught between two worlds, one in which the relatively easy money and local neighborhood status afforded by a life of crime is a major draw, and conversely, a path into law enforcement alternatively provides a respectable entry into the American cultural assimilation. Yep. Rudy's own family crossed into both territories. He had four uncles that were cops. He had a cousin who was a low-level criminal and a junkie another cousin became a police officer and was ultimately killed in the line of duty Rudy's own father Harold well he initially chose the crime side nice 10 years before Rudy's birth Harold was convicted of robbing a milkman at gunpoint in Manhattan Uh, which I mean talk about like a totally different world robbing a milkman in Manhattan Manhattan, (laughs) (laughs) jeez man
0: I mean I guess you could rob a delivery truck full of milk in Manhattan nowadays but to sound like
2: a straight up stick up yeah yeah Give me that 75 cents bucko <laughs> and a gallon of your finest yeah. milk. He's just like, just chugging milk wise. I got a gun
0: to him. It had to be fairly difficult to make that decision because honestly, it is exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. It's the disciplined route and be the cop or the easy route,
1: right? It's like the departed, pretty much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I and mean, you got to choose if you're going to be going the Leonardo DiCaprio route. Yeah. Well, Well, you're looking uh, they're looking
2: they're looking to be respected in the community and the ones that want to be respected and really assimilate into American culture are the ones that end up becoming police officers usually and then they become like doctors or they become Well, that's
1: their church also. You know what I mean? So it indoctrinates them into the community as well. So Mm
2: -hmm. or you can be the dude that is uh, scoring hella money and uh you know making uh, all sorts of cool moves and short life usually fast lived and end up in prison but for a while there you're the king of the neighborhood yeah and some of your best friends that you probably grew up with are the cops that are trying to catch you that's exactly yeah. right yeah yeah yep. so upon harold's exit from sing sing because he really went to sing sing huh. he found work as a bartender at what was basically a loan sharking operation nice he did more than just mix old-timey drinks like egg creams and Harvey Wallbangers. He also was involved in payment procurement. You know, roughing motherfuckers up that didn't pay what they owed. Nice. Yeah. That's
1: a nice way of putting it, payment procurement. That's right. Yeah. Yes.
2: That's what you would put on your card nowadays.
1: I carry around my baseball bat with my payment procurement business. That's
2: exactly right. Rudy
1: Giuliani's dad was a legit thug. Oh, wow. So he uh, tried to go, at least initially, the opposite the opposite way of dad yes yes
2: yeah exactly we're gonna get into that because his dad was very serious about him not being a fuck up what like he, he was <laughs> yeah all right uh but to be fair it wasn't like bring your kid day work with harold bringing rudy into a bar to watch him break some poor schmucks thumbs <laughs> who ended up on the wrong side of a brooklyn dodgers score harold was actually very vocal about rudy not involving himself in a life of crime like i was just saying according to giuliani in a time magazine piece from 2001 quote He would say over and over, you can't take anything that's not yours. You can't steal. Never lie. Never steal. End quote.
1: So he had ethics or morals. Yes. Yeah. But
0: he wanted more for his son. Of course. As we all do. He knew what he was doing was
2: wrong, but he was doing what he had to do to get by, you know? And at the time, Rudy himself found the constant reminder to not be a petty criminal a bit excessive and odd. I don't think his dad was telling him, hey, I stuck up a fucking milk guy or whatever. I don't suppose, like I said, that he fully understood that the man telling him this was the type of guy to stick a gun in the face of a milkman or casually run a cheese shredder across some gambling addict's knuckles before cleaning up a bit and mixing a Sazerac. But Rudy takes the advice to heart and keeps his nose clean throughout his childhood and teen years. After high school, he attends Manhattan College in the Bronx, which seems weird, but. That's, right? Yeah, that's weird. Whatever. But, uh, okay. Uh, he majors. It was a satellite campus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. I didn't have to take the train
1: all the way into the city. It was yeah. great.
2: Yeah. He majors in political science, minors in philosophy, and considers becoming a priest up until he fully realizes that that would mean his little Rudy wouldn't get any action. And that's right everybody. I'm making you all think about Rudy Giuliani's dick, which probably actually does look a little bit like the version of his bald head does now. Yeah, <laughs> cool. I kind of envisioned like yeah. a little Rudy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I can see that. Enjoy. Think about Rudy's dick for a minute. You we'll see the hair around the base. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Giuliani was a bit was...
0: unkept during COVID times. <laughs> So Giuliani's turned the JFK.
2: <laughs> I uh, pull my wiener through my, underwear, through my hole. underwear holes. I look at it in the mirror. It looks just <laughs> like me. Anyway, Giuliani was at least somewhat popular with the student body because he's elected president of his class his sophomore year, though he isn't reelected the following year. I'd kind of like to know what happened there, to be honest. Maybe he shit himself at a party or something, and took the social equivalent of the two train to unpopularity. Maybe they called him Duty Rudy or something <laughs> like that. Duty, doody, <laughs> doody, Rudy. Rudy. Duty, Rudy. Duty. Normally if you win like a presidential like uh thing for class, you just kinda stay there for the remainder of your, your They years. played a prank on me and shit <laughs> in the washing machine that I washed my clothes in. They put visine in my drink that my pops made before
1: he killed one of their dads. Then named me Duty Rudiger for the rest of my <laughs> time Duty, here.
2: Duty Rudiger. <laughs> yeah, like Rudy Rudiger. Yes. I like that. Oh, that's good. Uh, But, you know, maybe it wasn't anything like that. But one can hope. I'd like to imagine him shitting himself and, you know. Yeah. He graduates with his bachelor's degree in 1965 and, giving up entirely on the priesthood, heads to NYU School of Law. Very prestigious school. Good school. Okay. Rudy had an impressive few years there, making the NYU Law Review and ultimately graduating cum laude with uh, his JD in 1968. Yeah, that's impressive. It is, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. that's, that's, yeah, tough to do. How does that all work, actually? Sigma, Magna? What what does that mean? Magna cum laude is like you're the absolute top of your class, right?
1: And then maybe Sigma second or something like that, you know. Uh,
2: If I didn't, be like, come, (laughs) Laud.
1: Yeah. Oh, Laud. Oh, Laud, I'm about to
2: come. I I cum loudly every night. (laughs) Such a strange, I I guess Latin, but you're just, yeah, it's weird. Sigma cum laude, magna cum laude, magna cum loud
0: Magnums cum loudly. Mm -hmm. Boom. Yeah, Summa Cum Laude is second. Hey. Okay, Summa
2: Cum Laude is second. Magna Cum Laude is the top. First, yeah. And the Cum Laude is just like, you're pretty
1: good. That's like, that's probably like, it signifies the top of the class, probably one, two, three, and, yeah. you know, four or something like that.
0: Yeah, so the Magna is the top. Summa Cum Laude is a 3.9 to a 4.0 GPA. Magna cum laude is an academic honor of distinction that is typically awarded to a student who graduates in the top 10% or 15% of their class. Okay. It is the second highest honorable mention following behind summa cum laude. Okay. Summa is actually the highest then. Okay.
2: Oh, okay. Well, you guys can tell that none of us graduated (laughs) with honors. I cum loudly all the time, god damn it. <laughs> oh man. Uh, <laughs> ah! Ah! Like this guy's going places.
3: Oh
2: <laughs> uh, anyway, it's around this time that the Vietnam War is also like really starting to ramp up. Giuliani's college career had kept him from the draft, and following his graduation, he begins clerking for Judge Lloyd Francis McMahon. United States District Judge for the Southern District of New York.
1: That
0: Vince McMahon's grandfather?
1: That's absolutely right. I yeah. was about to say, it had a very wrestling name, mm-hmm. a wrestling-sounding name to it. That's
2: right. That's right. This shifted his draft status from 1A, which means available for military service, to 2A, which is for essential civilian. He is eventually eligible for the draft in 1970, but has never called up for service. So he didn't dodge the draft. I'll give him that. Yeah, you know? okay. He's
0: just who he was and what he was doing. Yeah.
2: I mean, if you're clerking for a judge, then, yeah. you know, it's what it is. You know, you're in college. A lot of people went to college just to avoid the draft. It's not like you have a senator dad, you know, no, in that no. sense. No, no. No, his dad was a fucking stick-up guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the opposite. His dad was a—he robbed a milkman. So I'll give him some credit for that. Relatively shortly after his exit from NYU Law, Rudy finds himself in the middle of a major change in himself. It might come as a surprise to some, but the reality was that from a very young age, all the way up through law school, Rudy Giuliani was a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat. From an interesting Vanity article I found, quote, The young Rudy, brimming with admiration for John F. Kennedy, was an RFK Democrat. When Hillary Clinton was still a supporter of Barry Goldwater, Giuliani was praising President Lyndon Johnson's war on poverty and describing the writings of a member of the John Burt Society as, quote, The Disgusting Neurotic Fantasy of a Mind Warped by Fear and Bigotry. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. He voted for George McGovern in 1972. And in case you weren't aware, George McGovern was not considered some calculating centrist political figure. His 72 platform was based on ending the Vietnam War and instituting guaranteed minimum incomes for the nation's poor. And it's McGovern's campaign headquarters that were burgled by the Nixon team kicking off the Watergate scandal. Oh, yeah.
1: when Forrest saw them doing that. That's right. Exactly.
2: It, which is funny because in the movie, he's like, I got a great place. It's a great hotel. Yep. The reality is that was the the hotel was where the McGovern's campaign headquarters were at. And That's so, where they wiretapped. Yeah, they broke yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they yeah. broke fucking straight into that thing got busted like a bunch of idiots. I'm trying to sleep, <laughs> but the lights are on. And they keep on flashing in my eyes. But somewhere around 1975, Rudy's approached for an associate deputy general position under the Republican Gerald Ford administration, and he quickly changes his party status from Democratic to Independent. Yeah, if the president offers you a job, you probably figure out a way how to take that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was this a cynical move, like an attempt to ensure that his historical political ideology wouldn't interfere with his ability to get Washington jobs under Republican presidencies? Maybe. Maybe not. The only person that really knows is Rudy. Uh, keeping his options open. Yeah. But it happens either way, and his first high-profile prosecution also happens to be a Democratic congressman, Bertram Padell of New York, who Rudy successfully convicted of corruption, conspiracy, and conflict of interest. What did he do? Padell had accepted $41,000 in campaign contributions and legal fees from a Florida airline in order to obtain federal rights for a flight route to the Bahamas.
0: Mm, Forty-one grand for one flight route.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I was going to say 41 grand wasn't a lot of money, but that at the time, that's not mean, them asking a lot we, either, right? Like one flight route. Eh, here you go. That's well, why, yeah, that's why I'll never be an elected officer. It's pay to play. Oh, you know? hell yeah. It's pay fire to play. away, brother. You need to air out. Come on.
2: <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, uh, I mean, the reality is, is that like this stuff happens fucking all the time now. Yeah. yeah. It just really does. Yeah. And they've figured out ways to couch it and hide it and shit like that. And it's. Unfortunate, but, like, that's, uh, again, uh, the Citizens United Act basically was saying that corporations can funnel as much money as they want to without really any oversight, and that happened in 2010, and that's really become a shit show, like, ever since. Uh, so, at this time, you're getting 41000 from from, like, an airline, and you're getting your shit skewered for it. Yeah. That shit don't happen anymore. Nope. Following the Ford administration, Rudy exits public service and moves into private practice with the firm Patterson, Belknap, Webb and Tyler. Tyler being Ace Tyler, his former boss as deputy attorney general, with under the Ford administration. Well, that's
0: one of the cooler names, Ace Tyler. Ace Tyler, yeah. 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 Seems yeah. like a cool guy. Seems right.
2: more like a Wall Street name, but I guess you know you have a lot of those white shoe law firms that work for Wall Street, and there's probably some good overlap there. Either yeah, that
0: are like a. A starting pitcher from like the 1960s. -hmm. Ace Tyler on the mound.
2: Yeah. I didn't even look at what Ace Tyler's real name was. I don't know. I'll just go with Ace. Yeah. Could have been his real name. Who knows? In 1980, with the win of Ronald Reagan, Giuliani again heads toward Washington. This time as a registered Republican. So at this point, he's all the way over to the Republican side. Yeah. Going back to the question as to whether this was a cynical career move for Rudy, he says no. Claiming that by the time of Reagan's inauguration, he had found Democratic policies naive and that the, quote, Republicans had come to make more sense to me. His mother, however, disagreed. According to her, Rudy, quote, only became a Republican after he began to get all of these jobs from them. That's right. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking.
2: She said he's definitely not a conservative Republican. He thinks he is, but he isn't. He still feels very sorry for the poor. He just found a bunch of friends. And uh, went over to that side. That's how it works. Just networking. Again, no telling how Rudy really feels at the time, but regardless of whether it's a career move or a legitimate ideological shift, Rudy does start landing some sweet fucking Washington jobs under the Reagan administration. I imagine. In 81, he's named associate attorney general, the third highest position in the Department of Justice. In this role... He's supervising the U.S. attorney's offices, federal law enforcement agencies, the Department of Corrections, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and the United States Marshal Service. That's some big boy shit right there. Yeah, right? Wow. How much does uh, that role pay, you think? Probably now, it's probably, if you're at that role, probably quarter mil a year. Probably making $250,000 a year. A lot of it's the prestige, though. For sure. You could take that afterwards and do whatever you want
0: in law. Well, you,
2: you always can. And that's, yeah. you see the difference in those career people in, in Washington and stuff like that. And there's actually a really great podcast uh, by Preet Bharara, the guy who was the attorney general for like Southern district of New York. And he actually ended up getting fired uh, by Trump around the time he got, he came on and he's got a podcast and he sort of explains how this all works, but you have like careerists and like a lot of them are the best ones are, are really engaged in the idea of like civic duty. Mm -hmm. Um, and there of course there's prestige that comes with that but a lot of those they go into you know a US Attorney General's office and then they immediately go into private practice and when you get to private practice that's when you just make fucking bukus of cash but the payoff is a little different because you're not hooked into the power structure yeah
0: but damn the money is good oh yeah so I was thinking about there's this Seinfeld episode where Jerry meets this girl at a dinner doesn't get her name but gets the name of the law firm she works for. Mm-hmm. So it's always it's always been funny to me to hear just the names, right? It's always mm-hmm. just people's last name, but it sounds so awkward. Yeah, I just remember the one on the show: was Saget Bennett Robbins Oppenheim and Taft. He kept yeah. saying it over to himself: so Saget Bennett Robbins Taft, Bannon, Saget Bennett Robbins Taft. So we figured out where the law firm was. Acted like he was there meeting somebody in the building. Runs yeah. into her. That's how we got his girlfriend in that show.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the the attorney offices are set up strange, you know. But they're also, yeah, that's, that's, like I said, a name like Patterson, Belknap, Webb, and Tyler. Yeah, yeah. some fucking (laughs) waspy-ass shit right there, bro.
1: (laughs) Tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole court episodes? Do you want to say in the next show's subject or the next conspiracy we discuss? Well, now you can. Go to Patreon.com and find us at Podcast. Get those ad-free shows you want, get some input on who you want to hear about, and become internet famous with a shout out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends, and you'll get all our new conspiracy court episodes. Go to patreon.com today and find us at AHC Podcast.
2: Anyways, yeah, so he's uh you know, he's doing some big boy shit in just ten years' time. He's gone from supporting a presidential candidate who practically gave his convention speech while smoking a bong and wearing a dashiki to becoming the enforcement arm of the vanguard of modern conservatism. (laughs) So it's a pretty big leap. Yeah. But don't worry, regardless of the nameplate and political party affiliation, he still keeps his liberal ideals of protecting the vulnerable in society.
0: And that's what I thought is he leaned a little bit back towards center left. You no, know? I'm kidding.
2: In, no. Uh, in a major 1982 <laughs> case, Rudy made clear that his department's decision to intern 2,000 Haitian refugees in detention camps rather than consider them for political asylum made total sense. After all, Rudy <laughs> argued that they hadn't fled their country for political means, but rather economic ones. Giuliani testified that, quote, political repression, at least in general, does not exist under uh, president of Haiti Jean-Claude Baby Doc Duvalier's regime, who had become rather cozy with the Reagan administration at this point, thanks to Cold War affiliations and fears. Reality check time, Baby Doc Duvalier's government was one of the most repressive in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, Within the country, uh, he murdered and exiled his opponents. Estimates of those killed are as high as 60,000 oh my god
0: and that's haiti that's not a very big place
2: it's not a big place yeah and baby doc duvalier and his father papa doc were absolute fucking monsters oh wow and he was like that shit's not really happening these are not people seeking political asylum it's economic so we're gonna go ahead and just put them in a detention center
1: oh
2: yeah that's rough in 1983, Rudy leaves Washington and heads back to New York after being appointed U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of uh, New York, SDNY, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's Manhattan, right? That's right. Yeah. The Southern, exactly. Yeah. The yeah. Southern District of Manhattan. That's where
0: Wall Street, BH. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: In real terms, it's a demotion. But from Rudy's career standpoint, it makes sense because the position is absolutely the most high profile U.S. Attorney's Office in the country and a great spot to launch his political aspirations from. And Rudy uses this position, the casting couch. It is, yeah, (laughs) district attorney's offices. Yeah. Uh, And Rudy uses this position to its maximum for public exposure, for sure. Giuliani has a number of high-profile cases, with the most famous likely being the Mafia Commission trial, which ran through 1985 and uh, 1986. And that's what Randy was alluding to earlier. This trial is, regardless of what you may think about Rudy Giuliani, legitimately impressive in the impact it had. Time magazine called it the case of cases, possibly, quote, the most significant assault on the infrastructure of organized crime since the high command of the Chicago mafia was swept away in 1943 and quoted Giuliani's stated intention uh, as, quote, our approach is to wipe out the five families. Is this where Rico came into play?
3: Yes. All right. Oh, OK. Wow.
0: So Rico is the
2: racketeering and organized crime Something. Something it is. Yeah. I call it the RICO Act. I actually thought I was debating on putting it in here because I was like, maybe people should know that. And it just means, means that
0: the boss can get in trouble for the people that work for him's crime. Yep. Yeah, everybody that has yep. a
2: hand in
1: the pot can get, a, get in trouble yeah. versus, exactly right. you know, the bosses weren't saying shit. They were, like Mikey has implied in previous episodes, it's just like, hey, it'd be really cool if Randy wasn't around anymore. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden Randy's gone. He's like, I didn't do anything. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody anything, yeah. you know, but now...
2: Yeah. Well, when someone uh, rid me of this meddlesome priest, that's uh, usually what it is, right? And it's just sort of they imply it, it gets done. And the RICO Act changed the game for law enforcement, which is kind of crazy how that works, right? You just have to sort of like build out. It's like engineering, like legal engineering to figure out how to take these guys down. But yeah, uh, he, he pulls this off. The overall impact, the indictment of 11 organized crime figures, including the heads of New York's five families under the RICO Act, which we were just talking about. Gambino crime family boss Paul Castellano evaded conviction when he and his underboss uh, Thomas Bellotti were murdered on the streets of Midtown Manhattan on December sixteenth, nineteen eighty-five. We covered that yes, outside of did. Spark Steakhouse. Right. Yeah, uh, our I think
0: that was our third episode. It was early on. I want to be maybe our second. Yeah, second yeah. It was yeah, it was
1: early.
2: Yeah, go back to that one. Uh, it's a it's a fun episode and Gotti uh, episode. Right. Yeah, episode. episode. Yeah, that was a Gotti episode that we covered that. Yeah. However, three heads of the five families were sentenced to a hundred years in prison on uh, January 13th, 1987. Genovese and Colombo leaders, Tony Salerno and Carmine Persico uh, received additional sentences in separate trials with 70 year and 39 year sentences to run consecutively. It was absolutely devastated in real terms to the mafia in New York. So devastating in fact that According to an FBI memo that was released decades later, the then new leaders of the five families got together in 1986 to vote on whether or not to put a contract on Rudy's life. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you got to expect that. If you go after, you know,
2: something like that, Mm -hmm. there's going to be repercussions. Possibly, you know. It's true. Heads of the Lucchese, Bonanno, and Genovese family rejected the idea, though Colombo and Gambino leaders Carmine Persico and John Gotti uh, encouraged assassination. Pretty fucking nerd. Yeah, yeah, those are some
1: guys you don't want to be on the on the wrong <laughs> that's, end yeah,
2: of. That's exactly right. Yeah. Gotti
0: is literally calling for your head. Well, you just put him behind bars. Yeah,
1: that's that's stressful. Yeah. I mean, you got to think of like how many loyal soldiers these guys still have oh in
2: play. God. and yeah. you know,
1: yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Gotti got hit up
2: later, but they're like they they're like uh Paul Castellano was gonna get like oh, roasted yeah. on this. It was yeah, a done yeah. deal. But if he hadn't got murdered. That's really the only thing that saved him, and that's what like that's what kept uh, Gotti out for a while because this case was wrapped up, and then he took over after they murdered Castellano. He
0: became the big boss. And
2: yep. uh, say what you want about Gotti, but he was about that life. So he was like, you know, the yep. rest of the guys, like I said, they the, hated
0: it. They did not like him nope. for that. Yeah,
2: the, the, the guys in the like Lucchese, Bonanno, and Genovese families were kind of like, hey, look, we probably need to lay low here for a minute not Gotti. No. He was like, let's fucking murder, the, <laughs> right. let's murder the, the, uh, the, the dude, attorney that got uh, his, yeah, yeah, the district attorney for the Southern District of New York. Yeah, he's like running into town with pitchforks, mm-hmm. you know, and, oh Yeah, no matter what I think about old Rudy, him basically crippling the entirety of La Cosa Nostra and then almost having a hit put out on him, I mean, that's pretty impressive, dude. Yeah. And actually, the rumor was that he eventually did have a hit put out on him by the Sicilian Mafia, although I haven't seen any verification of that. But it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, because the the Sicilian Mafia is as real as it gets. They they kill judges over there all the time for sport. Oh, wow. Now, aside from that, Rudy also had some other big cases. He took down white collar criminals as well. Guys like Michael Milken and Ivan Boski. And those weren't nobody's toiling away on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Those were major players uh, in like the like uh, Ponzi schemes. or No, it was all like junk bond stuff. And uh, it, it gets really complicated. I'm not going to dig into the, the details collar. here. Very white collar. And those yeah. were, like I said, those guys were, uh, you know, Michael Milken. They still talk about Michael Milken uh, in a way that's uh, borderline reverential sometimes on Wall Street because he. <laughs> Michael Milken dicks in prison. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, I mean, real, real quick and aside, Milken was basically the guy that figured out that junk bonds were like a sort of a worthy investment vehicle. And then it just sort of went sideways. Huh? Yeah. So another thing that Rudy became famous for during this time was the use of the perp walk. Now, everybody listening is likely familiar with what a perp walk is. A prosecutor makes sure that the media is there to see the apprehension of a newly indicted criminal. We've all seen it. The person being let out in handcuffs, often trying to cover their face while having people yell questions at them. It's incredibly effective as a PR tool for a district attorney and, like in my opinion, should probably not be allowed. It has the potential for uh, attaining public and potential jurors' opinions, and it feels antithetical to the concept of innocent until proven guilty. Man, yeah. when you're rolling down this,
0: or not rolling down the street, if you're getting pulled away into a cop car and there's people taking your picture... And you're trying to pull your fate, your yes. shirt over your face. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And once you're guilty in the court of public opinion, it's hard yeah. to backpedal out. Like, yeah. it, it's you're, you're screwed at that Every
0: point. Every once in a while, you'll have somebody get arrested up front. Everybody's like, oh, that's fucked up. And then quickly, the facts come out and you're like, whoa, whoa. All right, backpedal a little bit.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Um, well, so but I, it's rare. You know? Well, it's,
2: it's, yeah. Usually, if they're indicting you, they have a lot of shit there. I mean, like I said, if, if I, I had a friend that ended up on a grand jury and it was six months of indicting, People over and over and over again because the DA is not bringing anything that they don't have a pretty solid case on. Yeah, of course. Um, but still, the perp walk itself is your—you you don't know, right? And yeah. it is tainting like public opinion. It's it's a power move,
0: you know. It is. You know what I had? I got summoned for at the end of this month. What's hmm. that? Jury duty. Ah uh, yes. Ah uh, yes. It is the third time in the last fifteen years that I've gotten jury duty. Okay. I've
2: never once been summoned.
0: Really? Never one time.
1: Yeah. I went
0: once in the county I lived in prior and
1: then two in the last 10 years here. Yeah. Never, never gone. I've been summoned twice and excused twice. Yeah. So, but I have a brother-in-law that's a cop and oh, that usually yeah. gets me off. Yeah. I never had to sit on a jury. I would just show up. You sit all day.
0: Yeah. You get don't get sack called. Sack lunch. Yeah. They'd send you home. Yeah. And that's it.
2: No, I usually have like people I work with and they're like, hey, I have to be off this day because I've jury duty. And I'm like, just go there, get your sandwich bag, and come back because you're not going to sit in. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, my buddy got uh, something to uh, like the grand jury. I was like, oh, you know, and then all of a sudden he got selected and he was like, I got to go every Tuesday, every Tuesday for the next six months. Oh, Oh, wow. Six months. Wow. Yeah. But anyways, talking about, uh, you know, going back to the perp walk, like what if the person is innocent? Well, this definitely happened to Giuliani more than once. In a few cases, his arrest of alleged white criminal or white-collar criminals at their workplaces uh, had uh, charges later dropped or lessened, and they sparked controversy and damaged the reputation of the alleged perps, which again is what it does, yeah. right? Yep. He said veteran stock trader Richard Wigton of Kidder Peabody and Company was guilty of insider trading. And in February 1987, he had officers handcuff Wigton and march him through the company's trading floor with Wigton in tears. He literally oh, was like crying ooh. as he got walked through. Oh, Giuliani had his agents arrest Tim Tabor, a young arbitrager and former colleague of Wigton, so late that he had to stay overnight in jail before posting bond. Damn. Yeah, that's a. Damn. He obviously could have yeah. not He could have avoided that but.
1: Yeah, not wait until like 4.45 to go that's, rushing in That's right yeah.
2: Within three months, charges were dropped Against both Wigton and Tabor Giuliani said, quote We're not going to go to trial We're just the tip of the iceberg But no further charges were forthcoming And the investigation did not end uh, Until Giuliani's successor was in place These guys got nothing Wow, man,
0: God almighty One, if you got nothing, drop it and I was hoping you would say they apologized, and uh,
1: it definitely didn't sound like they apologized.
2: No, he let it fucking... run until it was until he didn't have to deal with it anymore. And that's, the ridicule
1: uh, that these guys uh, experienced going back to the job. Oh, and, yeah. Like,
2: just, and yeah. they
0: did Yeah, that's... Let's talk terrible. about awkward. Even if you are the boss, and mm-hmm. you walk in, your name's on the building or whatever, and the last time these folks saw you was in handcuffs and walked out crying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's a humbling moment. Scary. Right? You right? walk back in and, like... We're going to...
1: We're going to overcome. Yeah. You know, we're going to move forward even stronger. Guys
0: are just on their phone like, oh, fuck. Got to line up interviews like this. He's like, I'm going to
2: get my butt pounded, dude. You (laughs) see me? See my nails? I fucking manicures every week. My hands are so soft. (laughs) Of course they want to use my hands. I've got to go move a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) It's worth pretty much uh and then you had giuliani's high profile rate of princeton newport firm which ended with the defendants having their cases overturned on appeal on the grounds that what they had been convicted of were not actually crimes oh man oh fantastic yeah smooth move there yeah so giuliani's successes are a bit of a mixed bag and it's arguable that he becomes a bit overzealous on some prosecutions at this time in fact it's around this time that his old boss, Ace Tyler, who we talked about earlier, yep. uh, becomes disillusioned with his old protege and criticized several of his prosecutions as, quote, overkill. Oh, Ouch. Ace didn't like it. No. Fuck Came out of left on. field. Got him. Got his ass. But, you know, whatever, dude. Rudy has made a massive name for himself in New York by the end of the 80s, and he decides that the time is right for him to stretch his political legs and go for a mayoral run. In 1989, he announces his intention to run against then-iconic New York Mayor Ed Koch, who'd been in office for over a decade. Uh, he pretty much was New York in the 80s. Okay. Now, Giuliani had to walk a tightrope in this case, because even though he's well-known and relatively popular in New York City, he's also a Republican. And in case you weren't aware, yeah. the Republican Party hasn't been popular in New York City probably since the age of Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> And the conservative party of New York isn't super stoked on Rudy either. Yes, he's a registered uh, Republican, but his views on cultural issues align frequently with New York liberals. The Liberal Party's endorsement statement actually said that Giuliani's, quote, agreed with the Liberal Party's view on affirmative action, gay rights, gun control, school prayer, and tuition tax credits. Now, the interesting thing here is that in New York, you have, like when I say the conservative and liberal party and the Republican and Democratic Party, they're not the same. Right. Like you have a sort of a liberal and whatever uh, a party, or like under party for the Republicans in New York. And you have a conservative one. They hated, the conservatives hated uh, Giuliani. They actually ran a guy against him. So
0: earlier in the show when I said he was more of a center yeah. to left leaning, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, no, you're a uh, moron. He killed the refugees. I didn't their- say, I, I, I didn't say you're a moron. I said no. I said wrong.
2: But this it, was what I was talking about. Yeah. Was some of his- I saw a, 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 Randy was over there like conducting an orchestra I, as look, I read this He was like, da, 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 See, gun control, gay marriage <laughs> with this Beethoven finger. <laughs> that's right. That's
1: right. That's
0: but that's what I was referring to. Yes. yes. And I bit my tongue earlier. I didn't interject. And yeah.
2: No, yeah, uh, he, he talked about these things because it was politically expedient for him to be a Republican in New York, but also be like, but I'm not super hard Republican, but fuck the Haitians. <laughs> but I mean, get
0: in where you fit in, right? Think about what yeah. the hot topics were, gun control, crime. Yeah. Um,
2: no, Republican in uh, New York City is always going to be uh, streets different than a Republican in, uh, say, uh, rural Texas. Yeah, 100%. There's differences there, for sure. Uh, Surprisingly enough at the time, Ed Koch ultimately lost out to David Dinkins in the primaries. That wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, And so the table is set for the race, which ends up being the closest race in New York City mayoral history. That's right. It ends with Dinkins becoming the first black mayor of New York and Giuliani falling short and only by about 47,000 votes. Yeah, it's not, it's not much. The it's vote, really not. Well, the vote was
0: stolen anyway. Yeah. yeah so.
2: Yeah. Just kidding. Uh, the, the loss does not sit well with Giuliani. From uh, this Vanity Fair article I found, quote, he couldn't believe he had lost a Dinkins, said Bill Bratton, who had served as police commissioner under Giuliani. The future mayor had until then actively courted the black vote, speaking with emotion about homeless shelters and crack babies. But Giuliani's concern lasted only as long as he was allowed to play the benefactor. Confronted with losing to a black man, his goodwill disappeared. At Giuliani's party at the Roosevelt Hotel, Wayne Barrett, who was then Giuliani's biographer, evokes a scene that would return later to haunt us. Quote, The ballroom was filled with frustrated supporters he'd closed the campaign with, invoking white male and mad. It was also filled with ugly untruths about how blacks had stolen the election at polls in Harlem and Bed Stuy, where the dead had supposedly voted by the thousands. So, yes, he uh, did feel like vote. it was stolen. Yeah.
0: Did not know that. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. hella foreshadowing there, boys. It is true. Yeah that's, yeah. yeah. that's how I roll.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it being such a historically close race, Giuliani is the obvious choice to run against Dinkins again in 1993. Run it back. Come on, motherfucker! That's
0: like when you beat somebody by two in a game of twenty-one. Oh yeah, yeah. And
2: it's like you actually
0: go like I won. Well, come on, be like man up again. Twenty, yeah. run it back, motherfucker! Run it back. Oh yeah, now it was check. I mean, it wasn't even a question. <laughs> check. Yeah, I think just, even, you already <laughs> bounced it to him.
2: Check. I think even the uh, conservative wing of the New York City Republican Party was just like fuck it, this Giuliani, <laughs> and this time the results were different. Giuliani succeeds in defeating Dinkins and becoming the first bat human hybrid to be the mayor of New York. (laughs) And according to many around him, he never really got over the 89 election. Quote, he really prevented us, Bill uh, Bratton said, still frustrated after all these years from, quote, from having a free hand to reach out to the black community, end quote. The animus ran so deep that Giuliani, as mayor, didn't once attend the U.S. Open because that event had come to be associated with Dinkins' mayorality. Are you serious? Yep. Hmm. Pretty weak. And I was about to say, especially just, if you get
0: good free seats to the U.S. For Open. Real? It's always in uh, Flushing, New York.
2: Yeah. yeah. Pretty fucking weak, dude. Salty yeah. ass Rudy. But whatever, the general saltiness of Rudy doesn't matter because Rudy Giuliani is positioned as the mayor of America's largest city at just the right time now I'm old enough to remember the conversations from the adults around me at the time in the 90s and the general consensus was that Rudy Giuliani in his two terms as mayor was basically a magic wizard that single-handedly ended crime in the cesspool that was New York he's made it safe for all of us man I do remember
0: in the 80s when they would show clips of stuff on the streets of New York it was always the same stuff like um, smoke coming out of the street mm-hmm. with like trash blowing across yep. it and- Yep. Creepy people hiding behind dumpsters and just kind of scary in general.
2: Absolutely. and I was going to say, there's no denying it because it is absolutely true during this tenure, not denying that, but denying the, the reality of what was happening in New York. Because like I said, it is absolutely true that during his tenure, crime in New York City dropped by a not marginal number. Was this because Giuliani was a miracle worker, a genius at policy implementation that transformed New York from the porno shop and gang riddled wasteland of Gotham City into the metropolitan equivalent of the Magic Kingdom? Well, that's certainly debatable because the reality at this time is that violent crime across the country is falling at roughly equivalent numbers. Okay. So you're asking if it wasn't Rudy and his broken window policy, what was making crime in New York? And the U.S. at large drop in significant numbers. Hey, New York sets the trend. If uh, if they're not killing then the
0: folks in Miami and Atlanta aren't killing. Either. Absolutely, yeah, right. I
2: always gauge my murders by what is right. happening in the in the big cities. That's right. It's like hip hop music. You uh-huh. know, you want to be part of the big cities. <laughs> you know, once like Atlanta finally pops off with Outkast and there's a lot of murders happening, then you feel like Mississippi has a shot at well, this. Well, then you yeah. have like small towns in the rap game that produce other you know pretty big stars like
0: you have in the murder game with Gary, Indiana. Mm-hmm. It's a small town, and boy, man, they're, they're
2: really good at it. Yeah, they, are <laughs> numbers, yeah. man. Right. Unfortunately. I said there was a lot of talk about his uh, like broken window theory approach, which emphasized the enforcement of small laws to create an environment of respect for the larger laws. That was always what they talked about was like he made the broken window policy like apply to New York. And that's why it all dropped. But again, we're going back to like statistics here at this point and across the whole country. Crime is dropping. Now, like, there are a couple of interesting theories that I like about why there's a significant drop in violent crime across the country, uh, and I like them because they're entirely plausible as well as like conversationally interesting. All right. The first is, in my mind, the most impactful in overall crime uh, rates in the U.S. during this time, and it is known as the lead crime hypothesis. It essentially posits that lead is widely understood to be highly toxic to multiple organs of the body, particularly to the brain. Individuals exposed to lead at young ages are more vulnerable to learning disabilities, decreased IQ, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and problems with impulse control. All of which may be negatively impacting decisions like decision making and leading to the commission of more crimes as these children reach adulthood, especially violent crimes. And the introduction of leaded gasoline as well as lead paint etc in the first half of the 20th century created an environment in which lead exposure increased rapidly in the general public. The lead exposure piece is absolutely provable thanks to multiple studies done. There's not even a question about that. Of course, I mean
1: you had the leaded paint or leaded paint from back in the 70s and stuff like that. Well that, the
2: the paint is one thing but the leaded gasoline the gas, is putting yeah. tons of lead into the atmosphere. Yeah. So like when they're doing these studies, they're registering like what the lead levels are in in children's blood or or whatever. They're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. So the argument is that the increased lead levels in humans and the cognitive impairment abilities of uh, lead created a number of decades in which there were increased violent crime levels. Once leaded gasoline and leaded paint were eliminated, we saw the lead levels in the general public return to much lower levels and perhaps not so coincidentally, so did violent crime levels. Check out this chart, which correlates blood lead levels and violent crime per capita.
0: Wow. Oh, wow. The chart correlates very, very strongly. Yeah. There's yeah. Two, two line graphs. I mean, up, down, up, down, up, we'll, up, We'll up, post up, this yeah. up
2: on the Instagram and all of our stuff, so, so you'll see oh, wow. it. This overlap is extremely substantial, right? It also uh, can explain a lot about the baby boomers. I mean, they took in massive amounts of lead throughout the like course of their entire childhoods. So it isn't really their fault that they're the way they are. oh it makes sense i'm just finally i'm sort of kidding there are plenty of nice (laughs) boomers out there anyway uh another interesting theory and perhaps one uh that is timely at the moment is the legalized abortion and crime effect case which is popularized by freakonomics author stephen levitt proponents argue that the availability of abortion resulted in fewer births of children at the higher risk of committing crime or the highest risk of committing crime rather The earliest research suggesting such an effect was a 1966 study in Sweden. In 2001, Levitt, then of the University of Chicago, and John Donahue of Yale University argued, citing their research and uh, earlier studies, that children who are unwanted or whose parents cannot support them are likelier to become criminals.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That's, I can see that correlation. They, they don't, don't have only. that, you know, like that shining light guiding them along the way. Yeah. You if know? you're not
2: wanted and you're having to roam the streets, if you're a young DMX yeah, out there with no guidance at all. Yeah. I mean, now, in my mind, the one that, that I think is more impactful is the lead crime hypothesis one. You know, I think,
0: too, possibly, especially in New York City around this time, you kind of had the crack epidemic mm-hmm. that was going on. You're absolutely right. You know, and I think that had something to do with it because you kind of had the crack epidemic, the war on drugs. Through the 80s. It all kind of subsided and he
2: came in. What year was it? No, he came in 89. 89 Oh I'm sorry, you're right, you're right. He ran 90, in 89, he ran 89 right. came in, in, came in 93. 93. 93 And in fact, they were actually pointing this out and some stuff I was reading that, that actually the crime levels were already falling uh during Dinkin's tenure. Uh-huh. That, yeah. And that was the really the third one, which I didn't really bring up, but but Randy's absolutely right because they talked about like the, the the crack epidemic really was at its peak throughout the eighties mm-hmm. and then slowly tapering. sort of stemmed off. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we saw like the meth epidemic that happened or whatever. You know, those runs are usually about ten years yeah, where it just ruins. It Slides. kind of
0: just fortunate timing yep. to get in office then where good things are happening yeah. it's like a president that gets elected on a known upswing yeah you know what yeah. i mean absolutely not gonna go either way but it happens all the time guy gets elected shit goes really well yeah you can ride look the over, wave you can look back over time this has happened time and time again over of course a long, of course long course, of course.
1: and then the flip side of also the guys that come in and inherit yep. the previous that's administrations' right. yeah. that's exactly right. faults, but it looks like they're just you know
2: it's absolutely true because it's not. It's not the, the flip. The switch doesn't flip when someone shows up. Right? Right. I mean, they're riding that wave of whatever that is, good or bad. Of course. Um. And actually, what was interesting was I was looking at the the crime rates in major cities at this time during uh, Giuliani's tenure, and Newark had the biggest drop. I mean, it was a hmm. massive drop in crime.
1: Well, I do know that I was, you know, traveling as a young adult, you know, as a teenager in New York, yeah. um, by myself a lot of the times, back in 98, 99, 2000, 2001, and I mean, I I felt safe, you know, and mm-hmm. but it, a, little, a little bit of it could have been just, you know, young, dumb, and just, yeah. you know, brave, and um, naive, but at the same time, like, there were parts of New York that I stayed away from, of sure. course, you know, but at the same time, like, I never really thought at any given time that i was really in over my head danger yeah. well
2: i never really started spending time up in new in new york until probably the last 15 years or so and i pretty much because i'm a fucking tourist or whatever pretty much stick to like manhattan and brooklyn i can't recall a time where i was ever concerned yeah you know what no, I mean? we had that guy take two
0: shits or two people took two shits, <laughs> shits. right yeah. outside yeah. the front door <laughs> of a hotel new
2: orleans was much scarier LA has pockets that are terrifying, uh, but New York, you know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, uh, honestly, you know, even Atlanta for the most part now is there's not a lot of places where I feel super West uncomfortable. End. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you know, it's the same thing. But if you're looking at like New York as a whole, like I'm not going to go every, every like traipsing around like the Bronx and Staten Island and stuff like that. But like Manhattan itself, I'm like
0: eh, I'm pretty safe. That, that same trip we were up there where the people had shit outside our hotel door. Scariest part of that trip was actually the folks coming out of the Rush concert. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Madison Square Garden at about one a.m. Very true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We literally just steered clear. And people watched yeah. for a little while. Hella mullets. It was good. Yeah. Lots of leather.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, does this mean that Rudy Giuliani was not a good mayor or that he had zero impact on crime in New York? Not at all. I'm not an expert on the subject, uh, but I just wanted to take a moment here to point out that crime level reduction was a national phenomenon and take a moment to trot out my pet theories while getting a dig in at my parents' generation. Check, check, and check. Yeah. Now, moving on. The good news for Giuliani, whatever the primary cause is, is that crime is going down. But conversely, the violent crimes by cops in New York are going up. Yeah, that makes sense. There are a couple of really dark instances here. The 1997 rape of Abner Louima in a precinct bathroom by cops with a handle of, they say said a cleaning implement. It was a mop.
3: Oh. Uh,
2: oh. Amadou Diallo shot 41 times in 1999 by plainclothes police officers for reaching for his wallet. Uh, And Patrick Dorismund uh, killed in 2000 by undercover officers attempting to buy drugs that Dorismund wasn't selling. Of course, these are not instances in which Giuliani told the police officers explicitly to behave this way. But as the mayor, he's going to take the heat for it. And some people at this moment would argue that these events were indicative of the offense-only police strategy that his broken windows approach had created. I'll leave that uh, to the experts to debate, but what I will say is the way he handled Patrick Dorisman's fallout was pretty goddamn despicable. Giuliani supported the New York City Police Department by releasing what he called Dorisman's extensive criminal record to the public, including a sealed juvenile file, which, hey... Call me crazy, but his criminal record seems irrelevant to his being shot by police for, you know, not dealing drugs. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And man, throwing out his
1: sealed juvenile records, that's fucked. It is. It's not cool. That's fucked up, man. No.
0: You're obviously taking sides here. I'm sure the message from the top was, send a message.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course. Of course. Anyway, by the time he's closing out his second term, his popularity is flagging. He certainly isn't appreciated by the New York hip-hop community. Jadakiss Kiss and the Locks trashed him in blood pressure, and Jay-Z and my boys and MOP took a shot at him in four alarm blaze, screaming, oh, fuck come come on. <laughs> Yeah, nice. And his waning popularity is problematic for him because he's got bigger political aspirations here. He wants to be more than mayor. He wants a national office. Besides, there's term limits by then, so he can't run for mayor again anyways, even if he really wanted to. So Giuliani throws his hat into the ring for the U.S. Senate seat in New York. National Republican Party is cool with that, uh, and they start backing him financially. But the Democrats don't want to potentially lose a Senate seat in New York. That shouldn't even be possible in their mind, right? Right. Of course, up there in that north northeast pocket. That's right. You know. So Congressman Charlie Rangel convinces Hillary Clinton to run for the U.S. Senate seat in New York as well. I figured that was right around the time yep. that happened. Yep, That's exactly right. Now, of course, both of these characters, Clinton and Giuliani, well, today they'd have as much of a chance of winning a popularity contest as a Nazi pedophile clown. But the world was a different looking place back in 1999. These were both titanic public figures. Yep. So it was going to be a pretty interesting showdown. But April and May of that year brought a pretty bad string of luck to old Rudy. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he made an odd public announcement of a separation from his wife after uh, it was revealed that he'd been having an extramarital affair with a Judith Nathan. What's a Judith Nathan? It's her name. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a Judith Nathan is actually a is a type of hot dog you can get at Nathan's. He's been fucking <laughs> a hot dog up in Coney Island. It sounded like a title, like someone. Yeah, title. like I was yeah, like, like uh, Elder Scott. Yes, <laughs> you know? with with one Judith Nathan, it was a <laughs> Judith Nathan. That was just her
0: name. Man. Okay. Did he? Ha- I guess he carried on the affair before he got cancer.
2: You have to look at his medical like- records, but there's a
1: HIPAA violation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, were you fucking a Judith Nathan before you had before Ross September of two thousand? <laughs> Uh, in May of 1999, with the reality that his shot of winning the Senate was pretty much out the window, he withdrew from the campaign and hunkered back into his office at New York City Hall. And then, not quite a year and a half later, on a clear Tuesday in September, Rudy would be thrust into the spotlight again.
0: Stuck at the airport for hours? You haven't reached the end of the internet yet. Unless you've already liked and follow AHC Podcasts on all your social media platforms, then your life is complete. Now, back to the show.
2: So let's talk about Rudy Giuliani and the 9-11 attacks, because this created a massive change in his trajectory uh, for his public persona. It took him from a guy that looked to be at the end of his political career and catapulted him onto the uh, global stage at that point. What did Giuliani do right on 9-11? Giuliani's biggest win on 9-11 was being the resilient face and mouthpiece of a collective New York. Basically of a collective, like, United States, right? Of course. His march through uh, New York became the stuff of legend. Covered in dust from the collapsed buildings, his words of sadness and encouragement and resilience were pitch perfect. From a New York Times article on that moment, quote, Today is obviously, this is what he said, Today is obviously one of the most difficult days in the history of the city. The tragedy that we are undergoing right now is something that we've had nightmares about. My heart goes out to all the innocent victims of this horrible and vicious act of terrorism, and our focus now has to be to save as many lives as possible. Tomorrow, New York is going to be here, and we're going to rebuild, and we're going to be stronger than we were before. I want the people of New York to be an example for the rest of the country and the rest of the world that terrorism can't stop us. Inevitably, the question arose, how many lost? He said, quote, the number of casualties will be more than any of us can bear ultimately. The sentiment was deeply needed and affecting. There's no denying that if you have like an objective bone in your body. And Giuliani became America's mayor in an instant. Yeah,
1: yeah, 100%. I mean, we were all looking for something at that point. We were lost. We were scared. And yeah, he just came in. He was that political figure that came in and just it reassured us that everything was going to be okay absolutely you know what i mean and uh it made an impact uh, across the nation it definitely did
2: like i said i mean if you're too young to remember this it's hard to explain how terrifying and strange things were yeah it was weird it was a weird weird day yeah 100 percent like if you're directing a play or a movie you couldn't pick a better speech at a better moment than that well i said he was like covered in dust uh, world Trade Center 7 had gone down or whatever. I was like all, uh, At that point maybe not, but the, all the other stuff. I mean he was like, completely covered in dust, was making a public speech about like we're going to rebuild this.
1: It was like the Bill Paxton Independence Day speech. It
2: really was but it, in real life. Yeah, in real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean he was. it was such a big deal. Like The Queen knighted him world leaders from Tony Blair to Nelson Mandela toward the side of Ground Zero at his side. The President of France called him Rudy the Rock.
1: Were I finally got to get rid of my name, duty <laughs> <laughs> Rüdiger.
2: Rüdiger. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, there were book deals in the millions and speaking engagements, right? But no matter how helpful his words about 9-11 were in the moment, there should be a fair calculation as to his total role in the tragedy. And there are two strategic mistakes made by the city government that ultimately cost hundreds of lives. First was the reality that the emergency radios that police and firefighters used were faulty. And this had been known for years at that point, but nothing was ultimately done about it. A 1994, mayoral office study of the radios indicated that they were faulty. Replacement radios were purchased in a no bid contract and they were implemented in early 2001. However, in March of 2001, the replacement radios were found to be faulty as well. Uh. When fire department chiefs issued orders to evacuate the twin towers, three hundred and forty three firefighters that were in the towers didn't get the call because of the faulty radios. They were trapped when the building collapsed. Oh, no. Yeah. This was confirmed in the 9-11 commission report. However, when he testified before the commission, Giuliani decided to tell a different story that the firefighters ignored the calls to evacuate. They just kept on doing their duty. That's exactly what he was basically saying. And
1: that's what we need to honor. Yeah. We need to honor these people.
2: Yeah. I'd Not the like, fact
1: that I didn't get a bunch of new walkie-talkies. Yeah. Uh, they, they, They're heroes.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, you're like, with 343, I mean, you're like, maybe there's like 10 that are like, I'm going down with this shit, but...
1: Uh, yeah, exa- and even if he could have saved 10 of those guys Absolutely. with these walkie-talkies. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I'll like, play a little bit of Devil's Advocate, sure, though. Being
0: the mayor... And obviously something like this is gonna flow up to you. So I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's not responsible. Sure, sure. But think about it on more of a macro level. Yeah. He's in charge, obviously, of the fire department, right? The
1: budget, everything that goes into it.
0: Right. There are probably ten layers between yeah. him and the actual guys on the ground. That's fair. Absolutely. Um, was it? Did somebody actually come to him and say, "Hey, we need money for these"? And he's like, "No, do this. No bid contract. Get these shitty radios. I don't know." Or was that somebody else's decision, again
1: made under? Is the watched, budget really tight, and this is a way we can make it work? Or you I know, think you it's. Know. Very, I
2: think it's obvious at this point to say that it wasn't malicious. Like he wasn't right. like, "I'm going to fuck you guys right. up by doing." Does, this. But does it's it? Th-
1: does it get to the level of like gross negligence or anything like that? Yeah, you know, that's kind of like a question.
2: Well, yeah, and then we're going to get into this and, and the, like the next big mistake too, because okay. the, you know, there's certain things that are a bit more direct. Uh, the radios are a real problem and stuff like that. And also, in context of him being the hero of 9 11, it's tough to reconcile that when you're like, you guys knew about these radio problems and you know we probably could have done better. Yeah, communication. Yeah. Yeah, this is a is very a,
1: important thing for any firefighters, uh, EMTs. Police officers. Yeah, this you know, isn't like, bumfuck
2: fucking Oklahoma right. either. This is New York the, City. The radios should probably be working. Oh yeah, I totally get it. Uh, but it's totally valid point, Randy. <clears throat> Next major mistake though was where the emergency management headquarters were located. The decision was made by Giuliani in 1997 to house the headquarters inside Seven World Trade Center building. Right, Jerome Howard, New York City's first director of uh, emergency management, recommended to Giuliani that the headquarters be based in Brooklyn instead of lower Manhattan because quote, the Brooklyn building is secure and not as visible a target as buildings in lower Manhattan. But I mean, who could have known that terrorists would attack the world trade centers? You know, it's not like they had uh, tried to blow them up with a truck bomb right. in 1993. <laughs> or anything. Yeah, exactly. No way could Rudy have ever expected something like an attack on one of the icons of American commerce or anything. One of the biggest icons
0: on the East coast. Yes, you it almost know. sounds like he was trying to prove a point with where he put
1: the precinct, right? Yeah, maybe a little bit
0: worse. Yeah, bit it's grandstanding. It's, yeah, you he know. could
1: have been. Yeah, like big dicking it, yep. or you know, it could have been. It could have been a lot more like financially feasible to put it in there as opposed to moving out.
2: I don't see the financial feasibility. Especially I'm trying <laughs> to give Rudy a little bit of
1: like slack here no, on the yeah. on the road. I think maybe
2: I think uh, maybe Randy's big dicking it, and being like <laughs> we're, we're never they're never you know never going to take us down or something like that. Worse yet. When these questions would begin coming up in his presidential run, Rudy tried to blame Jerome Howard for the location. Okay, now that's fucked up. Too bad Howard had kept the memos. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. And then there was the problem with the air quality at Ground Zero. It was, uh, how do you say, uh, fucking awful, right? It was apparent to anybody with a functioning nose within 100 miles of Ground Zero. Now, I've. Never, I was never up there at that time or whatever, but I've talked to many people that were living in that area and they were like, the smell was horrifying.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like it, it's, I mean, you're still dealing with like September in New York. Yeah.
2: Well, no, I mean, in a sense that they were like, this doesn't smell like September in New York. This smells poisonous.
1: Like, a um, I'm guessing the foul odor smells of bodies and no, like No, like not that. so much like, that, but just uh,
2: because like when you have two buildings that are that huge and the, that, all everything that, that falls down into them, there's a lot of stuff in there that's, that's toxic. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah,
1: like, when you look at all the computers, all the printers and all that stuff, everything's drywall like wall just uh, and, and yeah, disintegrated. Yeah. You
2: know. And then we're about to get into this too because it's it's obviously become a, a very real issue for a lot of people that were first responders. Oh, uh, 100%. When you look at 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, But Rudy came out within the first month of the attack and said, quote, the air quality is safe and acceptable. Spoiler alert. It wasn't at roughly the same time that Rudy was declaring the air quality safe. The USGS reported that the toxicity of the debris was akin to that of drain cleaner. Oh, gosh. When he tried to defend his take on the air quality and why it shouldn't be a big deal. Rudy declared, quote, I was at ground zero as often, if not more than most workers. I was there working with them. I was exposed to exactly the same things they were exposed to. So in that sense, I'm one of them.
0: Look at me now. I'm crazy, Rudy.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh.
1: That's a, you know what? And then he arrested me. Yeah. Man. Wow. There it is. We look at the lead uh you know yeah. like the lead uh, affecting the boomers yeah. now we've got ground zero affecting there rudy
2: so many first responders that have died of cancer yeah. oh yeah. 100 so and they've many. gotten
1: and they've gotten left in the wind too Absolutely. a lot of them yeah. it's like yeah like denied insurance claims well, and that's
2: what he was saying he was like "What? it's not dangerous he's like i was there all the time right i mean uh you know uh randy is a big fan of uh silicon valley yes uh, a great show and the the one guy in the first season he actually died of lung cancer, even though he never smoked cigarettes in his life. He was in his 40s, but he had been an actor in uh, New York and off Broadway. And he spent those first couple weeks after um, 9/11. 9-11 helping uh, in a rescue effort.
1: Oh, Jesus! And, 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 and that's humanitarian the, efforts have turned into his death sentence. Yeah.
2: Just to, to give you guys an example of a specific person. But it's statistically it is uh, it is. Insane. Like there's yeah. so many people John Stewart has done a really good job of like pointing out that there should be more help for them for like first responders in nine 11. But it's, I mean, it was, it's incredibly toxic.
1: Yeah. And especially even from that day, I mean, you saw all the firefighters coming out and they looked caked and yeah. suit
2: and just was, it was, oh, oh, yeah. 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 But like I said, he's talking about, he's like, Oh no, I was down there more. If not, if not as much more than the, the first responders or whatever, that doesn't but, make it okay. Well, but that's not true either. Uh, because a New York Times study a week later found that he spent a total of 29 hours uh, over three months at the site his appointment logs were unavailable for the six days immediately following the attacks so you know he made a speech he went back to his office or whatever and then he comes about later and is is explaining that it's really not that dangerous and that you know if it was dangerous he'd be sick too but he didn't spend that much time there so that's pretty shitty dude yeah
1: no that's really shitty
2: Of course, uh, most of this wouldn't become well known until like way later on. And by 2006, Rudy was the odds on favorite to become the Republican nominee for the president in the 2008 election. Right. So uh, it came as no surprise when he won the nomination and blew Barack Obama away in the general election to become the first ever bat human hybrid (laughs) president of America. All hail Batman. (laughs) Obviously, that didn't happen. Giuliani didn't even finish the primaries or come close to winning the nomination, much less the actual presidency. And that's because his campaign was, uh, as they say in political science circles, weak as fuck. (laughs) WAF,
1: as we call it here in the studio.
2: (laughs) It didn't help that his law firm Bracewell and Giuliani was up to its eyeballs in foreign government consulting deals that seemed built to favor anyone but the U.S. (laughs) government and that the allegations that he'd used city money to carry on his affair back towards the end of his mayorship, uh, that could never really be proven.
0: I mean, if you're the mayor, Mm -hmm. the perks you get and the things that come with that, if you are cheating on your spouse, obviously shame on you. But if you're trying to court her and... Show off who you are and what you've got. You're probably going to use those perks. I'm not saying it's right. We've
2: drawn a hard line, and uh, Randy Sand here, don't cheat on your wife. (laughs) But using public funds is okay. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying,
1: especially to impress your wife or maybe your date. He said said earlier,
2: (laughs) he said, "Don't make me, don't make me a government official because I will definitely be spending." It's actually, you know, it's, it's not you. It doesn't start out uh, like intentionally. You just sort of realize you're like, oh, I got all this cool shit. It's and then, really cool. And then you sort of like that line keeps getting blurrier. And then you're just like taking, uh, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Judith Nathan <laughs> to, <laughs> to uh, not a U.S. Open right. um, thing. Yeah. Now, Rudy drops out of the presidential race uh, with one superlative having the largest debt of any campaign in the race. Oh, man. <laughs> so Brutal. that's cool, I guess. Brutal. Yeah. That's
1: great on the score chart.
2: That's right. Uh, he takes the speaking fee he makes for the RNC convention that year and pays down the debt a little bit. Still pretty substantial afterwards. He had millions of dollars in debt. And the thing is, is that when he started, like I said, he was they were literally vomiting money onto him. They were just like, anybody that was a Republican that was a, a Big money donor for Republicans were like this guy is the next fucking president because of nine eleven. Yeah,
1: like the uh, unlimited funds. Yeah, yeah. who ended yeah. winning
2: the nomination? That your McCain. Yep. Okay. McCain did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like when uh, Jeb Bush lost, it was he was like a, it was a walk off. They're like, oh, I was fucking Jeb Bush. They were just <laughs> firing money at him. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, so to come out of that with like no debt, and th- I still can't quite get my head through how financial contributions to campaigns work because it seems say, like where just, is,
0: who is responsible for that money if it's a loan or
2: it's very complicated and it's gotten worse obviously like citizens united has made it much more interesting like you don't even know where this money's coming from anybody can like just donate millions of dollars and be like oh i set up this super pack or whatever it is i mean it's it's an entirely convoluted and inherently uh corrupt at this point this is um, why
1: I don't even follow politics at all. Yeah,
2: it's frustrating. Like, I, it's, it's
1: so it, it's so rigged and fucked. Like,
2: yeah. it's just the a, money game of it. Absolutely is. I mean, a lot of it is. It's unfortunate, but but the point being is that, like, you know, how did you end up in debt, yeah. <laughs> Rudy? I mean, what were you spending money on?
1: Ah, uh, now he's getting demoted back to duty, Rudiger again, <laughs> duty,
2: <Judy> Rudiger. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Like I said, he walks out there. He's, uh, he lost his shit. It's, uh, not great. In, t- uh, 2010, he hints at running for New York governor. He does not. In 2011, he hints at running for president in 2012. He does not. Citing interestingly enough that, quote, as a moderate, he thought it was a pretty significant challenge. He said it's tough to be a moderate and succeed in GOP primaries. Giuliani uh, said, quote, if it's too late for New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, It's too late for me. Following that statement, a day later, Rudy is hit in the head with a bat during a fundraiser softball game and suffers extensive head trauma. I'm kidding, that didn't happen, but it would actually seem reasonable considering his slide into naked radicalism shortly thereafter. Cracks are beginning to show. Giuliani really seems to dislike Barack Obama at this point, almost as much as he hated David Dinkins be the first black guy in a major political office and Rudy might be coming for you. I don't don't know. I see a pattern for me (laughs) at a fundraiser in February, 2015. Rudy makes it clear his, uh, his thought about Barack Obama. He says, quote, I do not believe, and I know this is a horrible thing to say, but I do not believe that the president, uh, Obama loves America. He doesn't love you and he doesn't love me. He wasn't brought up the way you were brought up. And I was brought up through love of this country infer from that what you will. Obama wasn't brought up like you and me. He doesn't love America. He sounds like Ricky Bobby right now
1: like with all due respect. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Obama is a piece of shit. Yeah, that right? is true. Yeah. That is
2: the political equivalent of uh, uh, Ricky equivalent Bobby of, uh, of, uh, with all due respect. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't brought up like you or me. I'm like it's hard to say that that's not a total dog whistle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He didn't he enjoyed Food that we didn't enjoy. You know what I'm saying? Cool
0: oceans that we may not have yeah. been to swim in.
2: <laughs> oh man. Uh but luckily for Rudy, there's someone else who hates Obama even more. Donald Trump. There we go. <laughs> and it isn't long before Rudy ties his entire political fortune to the fellow New Yorker and totally debases himself. <laughs> Now, I looked into their historical ties for the show, and interestingly enough, I had always assumed that the two of them were great friends for like decades. Fellow big name New Yorkers that ran in similar circles, of course, they had to be like friends, right? You would think that their friend circles overlapped. Yeah, but not really. Uh, I mean, yes, they knew each other and would ultimately become friendly, even though it started out much more contentious. Apparently, uh, initially, their first interaction was like Rudy was going after a guy that Trump did business with. And uh, Giuliani said some shit about Trump. Uh, uh But over the course of time, as he became mayor... Trump was like donating to his campaign and it was funny because he would donate like two thousand dollars. And then he also donated like two thousand dollars to Dinkins. Right? <laughs> and, then, and you're like, two thousand bucks? Yeah. That's it. That's, that's 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 sort of fitting. I guess I can see that. That's twenty bucks out of his pocket. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't like to spend that money, yeah. But the reality is that the overlap between them comes more from being high profile New Yorkers who fucking loved being the center of attention and were masterful in their manipulation of the media to that extent. So the alliance, it would appear, is based solely on a shared fascination, a compulsion perhaps, to always be in the headlines, no matter the cost. Yeah. Giuliani loved the perp walk, Yeah, always being out there, all that stuff. Both of them are great at getting headlines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to spend a ton of time here getting into the nitty gritty political stuff because we usually try to avoid that This is obviously somewhat of an inherently political show because this is a politician.
1: But we're trying to keep Buddy awake at the same time, so,
2: you know. But I'm just going to give you a quick highlight reel of Rudy's dumbest shit from the Trump era because it really seemed like this motherfucker's brain fell clean out of his head about five to seven years ago. In August of 2016, Giuliani, while campaigning for Trump, said that, quote, in... The 8 years before Obama became president, we didn't have any successful radical Islamic terrorist attacks in the United <laughs> States. What? This is very true. It was noted to him that 9/11 happened during George W. Bush's first term. Yeah. It's, math is off there. Slightly and also you're like that's Uh-oh. what that's what you made your like national political bones right. on. You that's what that you, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, In January 2017, then-President-elect Trump named Giuliani as his informal cybersecurity advisor. (laughs) Rudy Giuliani, the master IT wizard? That's right. I
0: don't see that.
2: No, it makes uh, sense here because in the weeks following his appointment, Giuliani was forced to consult an Apple Store genius bar when he, quote, was locked out of his iPhone because he had forgotten the passcode and entered the wrong one at least 10 times. End quote, bellying his alleged expertise in the field.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my
0: gosh! The fucker locks himself out of his iPhone, but yeah. yet he's an IT
2: Yeah. Well, it makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. This is fantastic. Yeah. fantastic. Yeah. These fantastic. are the great minds of America. Oh. Uh, in December 2019, Giuliani gives an an interview to New York Magazine, in which he makes the claim that George Soros is controlling the minds of ambassadors, and that in reality. He is more of a Jew than George Soros, and also that he's more Jewish than half of his friends. You can't say that. Yeah. You, you just, that's like you can't say that. I know. I was going to say. Like, you can't say that
0: on television. Man, using yeah. the wrong word for little people yeah. or any kind of derogatory. You, you can't say that. Well, I
2: mean, it's it's not even derogatory. Well, it's it's not, factually you, wrong. It's it's, just, it's
0: factually wrong, but at the same time, like, I don't know, uh, gauging someone's jew Yeah, Yeah, yeah. That's,
2: yeah. I was going to say, like, Whatever you want to say about George Soros, I guess, but uh, no matter how much you might love and pastrami, you can't be more Jewish than a Jewish guy, Rudy, <laughs> especially a guy that escaped the Holocaust. There you go. In 2020, the game gets really stepped up here. Rudy is made Trump's personal lawyer. He's laying the groundwork to say the election will be rigged. And as the election draws near, Rudy makes his Hollywood comedy debut when he appears in the second Barat film, <laughs> in it he appears to be laying back on a hotel bed and preparing himself to have sex with a very young reporter who is playing Barat's daughter in the film. That's right. Have you yeah, all actually seen absolutely. this clip? It, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Like, so give me your rundowns on what you because he said that he was like I was just adjusting my shirt. Now, obviously, let's. All right, what? what give me your thoughts
0: it wasn't as egregious as people made it out to be. Okay. I yeah, but so. I don't think it was near as innocent as no, he no, tried to make it not. out to he be was as well. Like, he was totally like DTF. He got yeah. Like, yeah. He was
2: DTF. It seemed... And, but he, it, he wasn't
0: like oh, being
2: overly aggressive no, or... No, he, he wasn't pulling his dick out. No. Yeah, no. Which I think would be the only way that you could... Even then, the people that were like, no, it wasn't like that. Like, his dick was too big and he had to adjust it a little bit. It, it was... If you've ever been in this scenario, you know what's happening. You're sort of like, oh, cool. You're in a room and then it's like you're going to lay in a hotel bed and you're just sort of like prepping. Your, you're just getting started. Yeah. And I, you, I wish. It's
1: that, almost like muscle memory.
2: Yeah. You know, like <laughs> well, you also, start, at this yeah, point, on
1: the bed, yeah, you're in a hotel room on the bed, like Ooh, sex, <laughs> like it's what registers hotel especially room. for
2: politicians yeah, Well, like, and uh, politicians in their 70s. They were like, I got to get this thing kind of working. Went, a bit. Yeah.
1: I forgot my Viagra at home today. I
0: got a really... It's uh, like the equivalent of uh, tugging on the push mower about (laughs) 25 times before it starts.
2: The only mistake mistake that Sasha Baron Cohen made was barging in too quickly. Uh, Yeah. If he had waited, we wouldn't even be having a conversation about what was going to happen because in my mind... It would have happened. I think it it seemed pretty obvious to me what was occurring there
1: and to most of America as well. Yeah, and it was a bad look,
2: especially oh. at the time. Yeah, and yeah. that's
1: like one of like the two memories I have of him of the past 10 years. So yeah. it's like he's not in good standing in my memory. He's yeah. starting to get the uh
0: the penguin look from Batman. It's funny. I actually wrote that
1: down because like we've been referring to him as the, you know, like the the bat, you know, but actually he's
2: looking more like Danny DeVito's penguin character. Penguin. If he had a monocle. Yeah. yeah. You could absolutely see him slurping up a raw fish in his mouth. Like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) just like fucking DeVito did back in the nineties. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, he's a strange-looking character, dude. Um, and it, like I said, the the the, the Barat thing was horrible timing because it was right at the, the, the peak of the election. But after the election, when Trump won't concede, Trump tweets out that there will be a press conference with Giuliani at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia to discuss the facts about the election fraud. The Four Seasons turns out to not be the Hotel Four Seasons, <sighs> this but, rather, hurt, <laughs> but rather... A lawnscaping company adjacent to a dildo shop.
0: <laughs> four Seasons lawnscaping or landscaping, something yes. like that. It
1: yeah. looked like it was like just like a, a parking lot of like... Uh, it was it was bad. It was like a, a how like brick did, how parking
0: lot. How did that lot. happen? <laughs> I don't, how does something like that happen? For real. Like somewhere along the line, somebody's got to get the address or... like I, I mean... If the Four Seasons in Philly. I mean, if I'm anywhere remotely... Yeah. Going to this thing, I'm gonna know downtown Philly Four Seasons Hotel. Yeah.
2: I um, mean, I think if there was one thing, there's a commonality throughout the Trump presidency. It felt like they were winging it a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. they just were like, I don't know, fucking run it. You know, i don't, go to the Four Seasons. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't I, I, honestly, it, I, it may be the most embarrassing political press conference ever given. Yeah, and the great thing is that the Four Seasons uh, lawnscaping company really fucking Come made their buttons yeah. off of yeah, got in, T-shirts. Yeah. Well, of course you do. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Man, before the press conference began, a journalist president announced that CNN had just projected Biden's victory uh, during the event. While Giuliani was stating how strong their case was, a reporter interrupted to say that all the major news networks were now joining in projecting Biden's victory. And Giuliani asked, who was it called by? (laughs) Sky News correspondent Mark Stone replied by saying, Uh, all the networks (laughs) Giuliani then responded by looking heavenward and striking a pose of mock crucifixion saying all the oh my goodness all the networks wow all the networks we have to forget about the law judges don't count all the networks all the networks all the networks thought Biden was going to win by 10 percent gee what happened come on don't be don't be ridiculous networks don't get to decide elections courts do as he spoke, some reporters begin packing their equipment and leaving before he finished. <laughs> A few days I've later... i got what I need here. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You just fucking nailed it, yeah. dude. All right, now we're going over to Times Square to cover pretzels. That's it. A few days later, Rudy is out there in all of his glory doing press conferences again. Uh, at one in mid-November, as he sweats under the media lights, his fucking hair dye begins dripping down his, his four face. Four Seasons? No no, this is okay. no, 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 right, This right. is the hair. That was driven. only a one-time thing. Yeah, right. yeah, right, was, okay. yeah, Yeah, he was he was batting like a thousand. They, <laughs> they made the, like campaign headquarters of the fourth season. Yeah, why not? Fuck it, we're doing I'm it not here. going to Brooklyn. Yeah, goddammit. Yeah. it! Give that man a weed whacker. <laughs> Make him useful somehow. I mean, like if, if Donald Trump is like freaking out, being like, "This is embarrassing." <laughs> there's issues, man. <laughs> 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 Like I said, uh, the, his fucking hair dye is like starting to drip down his face. And I mean, this is so bad. It's completely nuts. Like he wipes it. His brow is like long tendrils of black just for men filter down his cheeks. The only other time
1: I've seen that happen was actually in a movie was the fifth element. And Gary Oldman's character in the fifth element has yeah. that like he comes into contact with like one of like the supreme being or whatever. Yeah. And his hair
2: starts to melt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the only other time I've seen that happen, like, on screen. I just remember looking at it, and I was like, this whole thing is a farce, but it just keeps getting weirder, dude. I'll tell you
0: what happened to me a few times. When I first started playing football after school, I would have a lot of gel in my hair. Uh Uh-huh. L.A. looks. Yeah, this is about 1993, 94. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, side spike full spike you name it lots of spikes going on uh but i get out on the football field and obviously you start sweating and all that gel i couldn't figure out what was wrong with my sweat
2: burning my eyes yeah
0: oh man
2: more than usual and it
0: happened twice and finally i told my mom she's like it's all that hair
2: gel i was like oh Uh, so i'd have to go in the sink and just wash it all out before practice and that's thing is la looks uh infamously made their hair gel from the waste of chernobyl (laughs) (laughs) so so you're lucky you can see right now randy uh it gets better though in december as rudy uh takes the fight to different states about their supposed election fraud he ends up engaging in a spirited uh back and forth debate with michigan lawmaker darren camilleri who is rid- like ridiculing the assertions of Giuliani that there is a grand conspiracy to make Biden win the election. Rudy gets so excited, in fact, that he rips not one, but two farts <laughs> That's right. mid-sentence, picked up in all of their glory yeah. by the microphone he's talking into. Let's get a little clip of that, shall we? I will
1: ask that he be he be disciplined for that. First of all, so, I gave uh, you the answer. Point of order. The answer that I gave you is they didn't bother to interview a single witness.
2: Later, he and other supporters would claim that the fart noises were interjected later to make him look dumb. But when you watch the <laughs> success. <laughs> but when you watch these clips, that lady next to him sure as fuck reacts like someone who just heard a huge fart next to them. And that is a (laughs) that is a great metaphorical place to close out the political career of Rudy Giuliani, a seemingly important and passionate speech given in a grand setting that can only be remembered now for the multiple farts that he emitted Uh (laughs) up in a poof of fart. Final scores, boys. Awesome.
1: Randy, what do you got, man? Good shit.
0: (laughs) Uh, Good farts, actually. Really good shit. (laughs) You know, it was interesting to see kind of how he flipped early on, um, you know, kind of follow the jobs. Right. Came sure. As a Democrat, yeah. flipped a Republican. And then uh, a moderate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But again, he was following a very typical political career. True. A, a good one. Right. Like, sure. this guy yeah. was like, these are big offices that he was yep. in mm-hmm. running
2: for. Oh, he was the mayor? He's not politically oriented. He's career oriented. And that happens in. All it happens all the time, right? So sure. I fault him for that, and you
1: got to almost be a chameleon in those uh environments if you really want to yeah, succeed and have right. longevity that's in those. Exactly right. You know. So
0: with all that being said, it is. I still kind of go back to what I was talking about earlier. It gets to this point where, man, he's born in nineteen forty four. So what does that make him? Seventy eight years old. Yeah. I mean, you're getting up there. You know, I'm not going to yeah. say that's old, but
1: i would think i'm old at 78 it still gets to the point of where you're in any of our jobs that we carry that if anybody is 78 in the position it's like well you know we <laughs> yeah. kind of need to give them that viking funeral oh, 78 i'm you know? sure myself that's yeah. but
2: uh, so but, i see you guys like warren buffett and charlie munger and you're like they're like a million years old and they're so sharp yeah, i know god warren that's, is that's sharp as hell. they're fucking rich as shit too yeah. <laughs> And why I'm not? I'll be the guy <laughs> shitting to myself and be like, ah, we you know, melting, yeah. bad investments. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but no, so it just—it's he—he dove off a cliff, man. Like mentally, it seems as though, yeah. like you talked about earlier, he did get beaten in the head with a baseball bat by the time he was like 68 years old.
1: Yeah. Hey, but that's just it. That's it. just coming full circle. His dad was using the baseball bat on people earlier on, and.
2: Yeah. That He didn't actually get hit in the head.
1: I know. But But he should have. It would actually make more
0: sense. As to why he behaves the way he does. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't know how terrible of a person he is. He did some bad shit with the refugees and some of the crooked shit.
2: The political opportunism with blaming shit on other people. But that is the territory, I guess.
0: So I actually am going to bump him much higher absolutely i've got rudy at a 6.9 that's my final score okay um I'll tell you why in
1: a minute here yeah sounds good all right buddy what do you got all right so for me um you know it's it was interesting hearing his story because you know you hear about it from the beginning and you hear about the the turmoil that his dad had or just the bad path that he walked down and to yeah. see him actually go completely in the opposite direction and even you know like that was kind of a cool story about his dad yeah yeah you know and sometimes when your dad pushes you to do good you know like don't follow in my footsteps you end up following in his footsteps anyways yeah so for him to you know course Just correct a
2: much larger and somehow dumber scale somehow yeah. he ended up dumber than robbing a milkman and <laughs> <laughs> his dad at least didn't fart while he robbed the milkman
1: <laughs> maybe maybe he know. did i don't know yeah. it could have been in, that could have been in the family so got a little yeah. shaky here <laughs> You know, I got to give him credit early on for like taking out the five families in New York. Uh, That's insane for any one person to be able to kind of be like, yeah, it's pretty much all him or, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, like spearheaded. And he's still alive today. Like, that's insane. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, he dodged a proverbial bullet with that whole thing. One hundred percent. one vote. (laughs) One One vote. vote. And that vote
2: was rigged, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know. But, you know, we did cover a couple of his, you know, missteps in a sense where he was, you know, doing perp walks, just trying to basically get people guilty in the court of public opinion before anything even happened. basically trying to stack the deck in his favor at all times, um, which is not cool. You know, getting back to the firefighters and EMTs, their radios with the police officers as well. Yeah, uh, it sucks. You know that, you know, and but it's always easy to armchair expert it from Monday morning afterwards and there's always going to be people that find flaws and stuff and you know who knows what was really going on and what kind of budget cuts they were trying to do but I mean still at the end of the day I think that a good look communication it should be a topmost priority in between firefighters first responders police officers and stuff like that so you know I do kind of got to slant that against you a little bit you know considering how there's always a fall guy you know and if you're at the top of the the ladder there you're gonna take some heat for that. And then we've got the issue with Patrick Dorsman where he's he was in the wrong and then he's trying to, like, basically do everything that he can to stack the cards in his favor so that way he, you know, isn't prosecuted mm-hmm. for falsely arresting somebody or yeah. killing somebody in the process where they weren't even selling drugs. You know, the the air quality down there at Ground Zero, I don't fault him for, but for him to sit there and try to be like, I was down there all the time and, you know, like nothing's happening to me i'm fine you know like and trying to use that as the pillar that he stands on Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah that's fucked up because those guys really did give everything that they had and
2: they're still giving it they still still are and they're
1: getting denied insurance claims left and right and that's bullshit those guys should have 100 percent free health care for the rest of their fucking lives i don't Mm -hmm. care what you say about that i agree and so yeah it's It's tough. I hate politics. I hate politicians. And, you know, just for this for this reason, because I know that in order to be a politician, you have to be slippery in some way. Mm -hmm. The majority of them. There is that small little band that, you know, that like I'm actually proud of and that are really fighting to try and like make a difference here uh, for everybody, not just the the elite. But, you know, more often than not, whenever we dive into any of the stuff that has to deal with politics, I always walk away feeling dirty, like I need a shower. Sure. And it just sucks. So, you know, I I originally had him all at a 5.75 because I didn't know where he stood. But there are some just uh, egregious errors that he's made in his career along the way that I, I just can't sit by. You know, I also don't think that he killed anybody. I think a 7.0 is, a, is a, a, a good spot for him to land. It's right there at the murder. Like, yeah, I don't think that he's actually held a gun and shot anybody, mm-hmm. but he's definitely put some people into the ground All right. with his politics. So 7.0 for me is a final asshole score. 7.0 for Buddy. Mike, you take us home, man.
2: So there's a, a lot of what you guys already said. I would, I would just be reiterating. Uh, I will say that, and I know Buddy doesn't have a huge interest in politics, but there's the old... believe is the Lenin quote. Like you may not have an interest in politics, but politics has an interest in you. Sure. And this stuff affects your life. And uh, in a lot of ways, what he's doing recently and stuff like that with, you know, making a lot of people question the legitimacy of elections and stuff like that, sort of undermining the idea of what a democracy is, is is really unfortunate in terms of what he did in uh, New York as a mayor or whatever, like the decrease in, in violent crime or whatever, like it's not like I think he had something to do with that obviously I'm not trying to totally diminish his reputation there but again like I was trying to point out that there was a larger trend in uh, national crime statistics so it's not all that impressive to me sure it just get
1: New York gets highlighted because it's New York yeah. You know, when when if you yeah. look at it, the barometer is well, like the majority of US cities were also experiencing the same thing. And
2: in seven in the seventies and eighties, New York was a dangerous place. It really was. So it really sort of like highlights that. Um but when it comes to like the nine eleven stuff, you know, he was really the right guy at the right time, and I'll give him credit for that PR win. Like it was uh it was inspiring for him to do that, and that's cool. But again, like the underlying things of what happened with like the radios and uh, with the the placement of the emergency uh, response center or whatever, like those are things that you you know even if you don't take direct responsibility for them, you're 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 the boss. It comes yeah. up to you. You know what I mean. These are
1: choices that you made, and you know what, even if you thought they were for the right decisions, yeah. you have to stand beside your decisions. Yeah,
2: and ultimately the decision to put uh, the emergency response place in World Trade Center Seven appears to be his entirely. Yeah. you know I mean, he really yeah. did push that, which was a bad decision. And again, it it isn't like there wasn't a precedent set before it was only literally Eight years before that, you had them trying to blow up the World Trade Centers. It's just it's a dumb it's a dumb call. You,
1: it, it was an arrogant call an at arrogant, the end of the absolutely. day. Absolutely, arrogant would be. The They've already term. tried. What are they going to do?
2: Arrogant would be the the, the correct term. You're right about that. And then for him to try to chuck people under the bus, yeah. and be like, oh, it wasn't me, it was him. Yeah, this and guy was like, nope, not
0: so fast, buddy. Yeah, Check out yeah. this email. Per absolutely my email yeah. from
2: you, yeah, <laughs> dated jerk I th- off.
1: Yeah, I think it's Fuck, yeah. That, I love that guy. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's a mixed bag because some of the things he's done are, are so impressive. But at the same time, some of the things he's he's done are, are so harmful, and especially in the past ten years, to just sort of like debase himself for a reason that I can't fully understand. Like you could have just got. I mean, he lost everything. You know, he yeah, he lost his, his his New York law license, and, and and for what? Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I think at this point now, like making a judgment, I, I think he's an entirely dangerous individual. All respect has been lost for me. Sure. Um, and I it's a shame because I think he could have been something even more spectacular than he was, but he's a career politician and he's makes those moves. And, and I get it this part of the career part of it, but like, you know, ideally you should have some sort of like a moral foundation that for the things that you're doing. So I'm going to, I'm actually, I'm going to put him at a, a 7.1. I would put him a little bit higher, but honestly, if, if he had been more, it's, it's actually kind of a good thing that he, was such a fucking idiot these past few years because if he had been uh, a little bit more, a little bit craftier, it could have been a lot more dangerous.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know, I really just
0: thought he was very, very similar to Mama June Shannon. A hundred percent. He was also 6.9. the 6.9. Yeah. That's where I got my score. Yep. Yeah. He and Mama June really share a lot of similarities. It's true. In, yeah. yeah. Both their upbringing and, you know, their education, desire education for the TV or their, for the big screen. Their pedigree. The Polit-
1: limelight. Yeah, political careers. That's right. All right. With a 6.9 from Randy, a 7.0 from Buddy, and a 7.1 from Mikey. Old Rudy Giuliani's final asshole score is a 7.0. All right, 7.0. We now have
0: a three way score at 7.0. We have Jerry Falwell Jr., Facebook, and now Rudy Giuliani. Oh, yeah. Good old
2: Duty, Duty Rudiger.
0: Duty Rudy coming to a theater near you. <laughs>
3: oh, man. Duty, Duty, Duty. Duty. I
0: awesome. know what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. So, this was a suggestion from Facebook from Heather. Yeah, yes. Heather Hardick. That's Heather. right. Again, we appreciate it. Look at that. She made the suggestion. We're here talking about it. We want to hear from you. Again, go check us out on all of our social media platforms. And as always, uh, check us out on Patreon. We just sent out our newest batch of stickers. It also came with a signed letter from all of us. We also have over
1: 10 hours of Conspiracy Court on our Patreon page as well.
0: Absolutely. And then you get these shows ad-free. Go patreon.com slash AHCPodcast. You can't just go to Patreon and search us. You've got to put it in the address bar because we're explicit. They don't like that. But uh, that's how you can find us. So go tell your friends and always be kind to one another.
3: We'll see you next time on Asshole Court.